Hi, this is a message from Life Church Leeds. We hope it encourages and helps you. Good morning. How are you? God is in the place, and that's always a good thing. And whenever God is in this place, it's because He's here to do business with you and me. He's not here by accident. He's not here casually. He's here on purpose. And I don't know what you came with this morning that maybe is weighing heavy on you. I don't know if you have questions. I don't know if there's an area in you where you're feeling things are not clear. But the God of all peace, the God of all clarity, the God whose Word is true, the God who before the beginning of time set things in motion is here. We're about to open the Word of God, not the Word of man, not the opinion of somebody, but the Word of God. And whenever we open the Word of God and the truth is able to be spoken, everything finds its right perspective. So God, in this moment, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for Your truth. God, I thank You that in this moment, clarity, light, It comes forth when we make room for Your Word. God, I don't know where people are at today, but God, You know exactly where every single one of Your sons and daughters are at. And so God, I just pray in these next few moments that something would go a little deeper, something would come a little clearer, something would feel a little lighter, something would be held a little tighter because of Your incredible presence. We honour You, God. We honour Your Word. Where would we be without You? So God, I pray I get out of the way so that You can have Your way. In Jesus' Name. Amen and Amen. You may take your seats. Thank you. Well, it is good to be with you at the outset of a new decade. Can you believe it? And I'm sure all of the Happy New Years have been said by now, but from my heart and Steve's heart, we've not been over yet to say that we are so expectant and excited about the year ahead for us as a church. And we know that God's got so much in store for us personally, and He's got so much in store for us corporately. And, uh, and I just wanted to be able to be with you today just to kind of put us into uh, the same mindset, put us all onto the same page as we begin the year. And last week, Dave started the series that he's going to continue next week. And you know, Dave and Ab's got a lot going on in their life right now. How many of you know that? And, uh, and so I might have just pastorally pushed a little and told this man of God, you need to rest. He's not been that well this week. That's why you should always pray for your leaders. And he would never tell you that. Never would he let you see that. But I was like, you need to rest. I'm going to come and preach. And so I played the mama card a little bit this week because they got a whole heap of children, people. I mean, I'm like, guys, that's a lot of children to keep tabs on. And so I'm glad grandma's here to help out too. But, but pray for your leaders because now they need more prayer than ever. And those babies are beautiful and they're surrounded by incredible family and aunts and uncles and cousins and nephews that help. But 
You know what's a lot? When you're running a church and you're pastoring and the, they don't do anything by halves, Dave and Abs, so uh, we need to keep them in our prayers. But we're also one team, you know, one church, four locations. And so there's a little pause, a little kind of intermission between the two-part series, and this is the intermission break. And I'm going to share with you something that I shared at our other campus last week because we're all on the same journey together. And, um, and the title of what I want to share with you this morning, I'm calling Put It In Park. Put It In Park. Uh, when I first started driving, probably like most of you in here, you know, we learn in a gear shift, right? And many of you still drive a gear shift car. I have friends that grew up in America, and you know, when you go to school in America, you actually, as part of your education in school, take driving lessons as a class. How crazy is that? Like the whole class go out with the teacher and get in a car and have driving lessons as part of school lessons. And so, and they don't drive like we drive. It's like fake driving. It's in an automatic. I mean, like we are like hardcore, the British people. We learn in a gear shift. We kangaroo jumped our way through our driving lessons. We, you know, did all of that. We rolled backwards on that hill when we forgot about the pedal control. And after a few years of marriage, um, and we had a car that the exhaust was tied on with a piece of rope, and we'd play cat and mouse on the uh, bypass near our house many, many Sundays on the way to church as the exhaust would fall off, and it would be my job, because I wasn't driving, to go pick it up, and then Steve put it back on. And some Sundays in those early years of marriage, I did wonder whether he had loosely tied the rope on purpose to watch me run between the traffic, but I'm just saying, happened more frequently when we fell out than it did when we were in peace, so. But I made it through the traffic. And uh, so we eventually went from that car, and I remember we first got an automatic car, and I couldn't believe all my life I'd been struggling with gears, and I could have just had buttons that said D for drive. I was like, this is amazing. And uh, I do remember one time driving a friend's automatic and putting it in S because I thought S was for snow, and it was snowing. S was for sports mode. That was not a good day. And uh, I was like, this is so easy. Surf for snow, duff for drive, pee for park. Um, but learning to drive in an automatic is entirely different. And obviously, you become a little bit more relaxed about driving that car because there's less for you to think about when it comes to your hand-eye-foot coordination. You just stick it in D. And I remember realizing that actually I have to remind myself to put it in P for park because when you don't do that, the car begins to kind of drift. And there was a several occasions where it might have drifted a little bit too close to another car. And I wonder sometimes in our life if we become so uh, into kind of the drive mode of doing things on a regular basis, the routine of our life that one year rolls into another year and and we kind of end up with some parts of our life just kind of, I don't quite know how I ended up here. It's almost like I drifted into that relationship or I kind of ended up in that compromise or I kind of somehow got myself adrift in this area. And I think sometimes our lives are too often just in that mode of drive. And that's why we need to take time to put our life in park on purpose. Park is not stopping and quitting. Park is a necessary breathe space, assess 
space, take some time space that we all need. And the beginning of a new year is a brilliant time for us to put our life in some areas in park. I wanna take the word park and I wanna actually break it down for you. And so if you're taking notes, I wanna kind of give you a, each letter of park's gonna stand for something because I want to suggest that you apply this to your life, not just today, not just this week, but on an ongoing basis throughout the year. That actually, if you would learn to park your life up in those moments where there's confusion, in those moments where you're not really sure what comes next. You know, parking was the worst part for me of the driving test. Anyone else? I mean, who needs to reverse park? Who needs to parallel park? What in the heck is that about? I was like, do you not understand, driving instructor, that when I do finally own my own car and unable to drive a vehicle without you next to me, I will never, ever seek to park this vehicle between two other cars. <laughs> I will drive around the neighborhood until I find wide open spaces. This is an unnecessary skill you are teaching me. I will never use it, but they still made you do it. But sometimes in life, it's kind of like you're between two options. You're between two kind of decisions and you need moments in that time where actually you don't want to park because it's hard to park, but actually the parking up is actually going to help you get clarity about what comes next. And I don't want you to spend your next year rushing into things that maybe if you'd parked up for a moment, you'd have seen differently, felt differently, sensed differently. And so we'll take the word park and let's just use it as this uh, acronym that I'm going to give you. P stands for pray. A stands for affirm. R stands for remember. And K stands for know. If we can learn in seasons of our life to park up, and what we do in our parking up time is we take the time to pray, we take the time to affirm what God's Word says about what we're facing, we take the time to remember that the God that was faithful then is the God that is faithful now, and we take the time to know that we know that we know that God is with us and God is for us. I wonder if that would change the way we then drive into the next thing that God has for our lives. I wonder if we would park before that conversation and pray about it and affirm God's Word and remember his kindness, and then know what it is that God has called us to, I wonder if the conversation would sound different, look different. I wonder if it would be less stressful and more hopeful. I wonder if it would be more faith instead of fear. I wonder if it would be more kind instead of hurtful. Because we've parked up and we've taken the time to say, I don't just want to drive into this. I don't just want to roll into this. I actually want to put this in park so that when I approach it, when I say it, when I agree to it, I do it with the mind that Christ would have me do it with. A great uh, verse that goes along with this thought of park is found in Philippians 4, 6 to 9. And I like the passion translation of this because it kind of covers all of those four letters in this. It says, don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Be saturated in the P, prayer, throughout each day, offering your faith-filled requests before God, not your fear-filled requests. Your faith-filled requests before God with overflowing gratitude. 
Tell him every detail of your life. Then God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will make the answers known to you through Jesus Christ. I could stop there, send you home, and that's enough for the year. The, the word of God is so powerful. If you just think about that, how many of our lives are pulled in different directions? How many of us get worried about everything? How many times do we pray with fear rather than faith? How many times do we ask God with no gratitude for what he's already done for us? If we were just to take that verse for the next month and work on that, our lives would look better. And then it says, keep your thoughts continually. That's the affirming, fixed on what is authentic, what is real, what is honorable, what is admirable, what is beautiful, what is respectful, what is pure, what is holy, what is merciful and kind. Wow, how many do we, times do we affirm and fix our thoughts on that stuff? And how much time do we fix our thoughts on other stuff that does not make that list? And fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of God, praising him always. Follow the example of all that has been imparted to you and the God of peace will be with you in all things. Pray continually, fix, affirm your thoughts on him. Fasten your thoughts, remember his glorious work and follow the example so you know the direction of your life. So this year, in all that's ahead for your life and your family, can you learn how to park better? Can you become someone that is not so driven they have failed to learn the beauty of parking in the presence of God, affirming the word of God and knowing the direction of God? You've just spent the last week, if you're on this journey of prayer with us and fasting, in the emphasis that we built kind of our church heartbeat around, the three Bs, we call them, believe, belong, become. Those three words are crucial to the heart of Life Church because they're words that we don't just think are cool or we chose them because they all have a B, but they're actually fundamentals that every human being needs in life. We all need to believe in something greater than ourselves. We all need to have a place where we belong and know that there's a sense of community. And we're all on the journey of becoming who God has called us to become. So I wanna just for the next few moments this morning, park up in those three words that you've been praying about all this week, that you've been thinking about and looking into your own life and heart about. And I wanna just unpack them all a little bit with this park analogy. Let's park up for the moment in the word believe. You know what, your believing right now is shaping your behaving. If I was to look at how you behave, I would be able to draw a line back and make some pretty good conclusions about how you believe. If you are behaving in fear, I'm gonna go back and trace where your believing has become fearful, scared, questioning, doubting. If you're behaving in a certain way, I'm gonna trace back the line and go, maybe if we changed your believing, it would begin to have an impact on your behaving. Oftentimes we're trying to change our behavior, behavior modification, but we're not dealing with our believing where that springs from. And so actually we've gotta park up in what do you believe? What do you believe? I mean, we just sang all those incredible worship songs. Aren't you thankful for those that are able to take words and put them to music and give us songs to take us into the presence of God? But you know what? Every time we sing a new song in church or every time I hear a worship song, I'm asking myself on the inside of myself, do I believe this? 
because I don't wanna give God lip service. I wanna sing what I believe. I wanna stand on what I believe. I wanna be able to take to the bank what I believe. We grew up in a make-believe world. We played make-believe when we were children and then we were told to believe in stuff that we were to later find out was not actually true. Sorry to burst your bubble. But there was a day when you realized, no, you actually are Santa Claus. There is none coming without you stepping into the boots of Santa Claus. There's a day when you know you realize the Easter bunny is not real. And you'd had this whole world, I built a whole world for my children of imagination. And one by one, I had to kill all the things that I had built a false world for. I'll never forget the morning when I was ready to talk to my daughter about not believing in Santa Claus. I'd left the biggie to last. And I remember I was about to tell her I'd already killed off the tooth fairy. I'd already killed off the Easter bunny. And now I was going for the big one. And she walked in the bedroom at our house and she looked at me and she just knew what was coming. It's like she knew what I was about to say. And she looked at me and she went, don't even say it. I looked right back at Hope and she went, you have taken from me the tooth fairy. You have taken from me the Easter bunny. Don't you dare take away Santa Claus because the next thing you're going to do is tell me Jesus isn't real. <laughs> and she stormed out of my bedroom, sassy pants Hope. And I thought to myself, oh, the web of lies I have woven. But the truth is, if we're not careful, we start to treat the Bible and the Word of God almost like it's some fantasy that we believe in. But the truth is, when times of testing come, you need more than a fantasy to build your life on. You need foundations that go down deep. So what do you believe? <laughs> what do you believe? It's a good question to ask yourself. Do I believe God is good? Like, do I believe? Dave just said it. God is good. God is good. Really? So why on Monday were you freaking out and questioning what you just said on Sunday because the circumstance wasn't like what you wanted it to be? And now you're wondering, well, is God good? Why has this happened to me if God's good? You either believe it or you don't believe it. And sometimes we think we believe it, but then we hit something that questions our belief. And you know what? That's a normal place to visit. It's a healthy place to visit. It's like Thomas going, I want to believe it, but I'm not sure I can believe it. And Jesus, by His goodness and grace, showing up and going, let me help you. Put your hand in here, touch here. I'm gonna help you in your unbelief this year. What if you could just choose a couple of areas where you go, I don't want to say it and I don't just want to sing it. I want to know that I know that I know it. I want to be able to build my life on it. I want to believe down deep. It says in Luke 8 verse 13 that there was different types of ground that the seed of the gospel landed on. And one of those types of grounds often is, can be the ground we have in our lives. It says in verse 13, there were those seed that fell on the rocky ground. And the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it. They're the, yes, amen, hallelujah. Yes, Pastor Dave, that's amazing. I believe it, Tyrone, absolutely. Let's go for it, Woohoo! But they have no root. And they believe for a while. But in the time of testing, 
they fall away. Let's not be so prideful or let's not be so arrogant that we think that we would not be guilty of that and somehow assume that because we've said we believe or amen we believe, that actually it won't be put to the test. And what we need is for you to have belief that has roots. So that when the time of testing comes, sure, your belief might shake, but it's not uprooted. It doesn't disappear. It's not swallowed up by the fear or the doubts or the question because your belief holds you in times when actually nothing else can hold you. So I ask you again, what do you believe? Do you believe he's faithful? Do you believe he's kind? Do you believe that he's your provider? Do you believe that he's your healer? Do you believe that he's your father? Do you believe that he's your restorer? Do you believe? And if there's any area in your life where you're like, I'm struggling in this area of believing, awesome. Here's what you need to do, park up. Stay there in that area, pray, affirm, remember until you know that you know that you know God is good. So when you come on a Sunday, When you come on a Sunday and everything in your life is awful and Pastor Dave says, God is good, you say with more conviction than ever, all the time. And someone next to you is going to go, you've had the worst week ever. And you're going to say, yeah. And in the worst week ever, I found out how big my roots are into my belief that God is good. Amen. I mean, I read verses, I don't know about you, like Mark 11, verse 23, and I realize I've got work to do. Because in Mark 11, 23, it says, truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that they will say that they will see what will happen and it will be done for them. I mean, I have some work to do to walk up to that mountain and say, I believe in the name of Jesus, you will be moved. I don't even doubt any part of the fact that God will move this mountain that's in my life. We all have to go through seasons where we park up and say, God, this year, I don't want to believe you in the moment and then forget you in the hard time. I wanna believe down deep. Park up your belief this year. Take some time to answer the question, what do I believe? And some of you, the question's not what do you believe in God because actually you're believing in God, that's good. Some of you don't believe about the God in you. You you don't mind saying God is good, but you can't believe that the God inside of you is good. That actually greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. That actually you are more than a conqueror. That actually you are the head and not the tail. That actually that you are beautiful and you are chosen and you are beloved by all of heaven. You actually, those are the things that you struggle to believe. So maybe you're not needing to park up in what you believe about God, but what you believe about the God in you. Park up in that. Go to the Word about that. Study the verses about that. Read until you know that you know that you know you are chosen. Till you know that you know that you know he has a plan for your destiny and a future. Till you know that you know that you know you're not an accident or a mistake, but you are loved, that you are forgiven. 
Get your belief down deep in 2020, so deep. It changes the way you behave because of how you believe. It changes the way that you act because of how you believe. The second word that we've kind of chosen as a pillar of our community is belong. We just had our staff retreat, an incredible time just with the presence of God and praying over the church and time together to just build. And, you know, we had somebody come in to teach us that works in mental health. And he said one of the main reasons why mental health is so prevalent is because belonging has become so detached. It's when people isolate. It's when they remove themselves. It's when they don't have community. It's when they don't have people around them that actually mental health becomes a major issue because we are made to belong. We are designed by God to do life together. We are designed by God to be in community. And so the word belong is a powerful word, but it's one that we need to park up in. It's one we need to understand. Otherwise, you'll feel like people make you belong or your arms being twisted to belong. And you shouldn't be belonging to anything because somebody told you to. You should be belonging to things because God himself has revealed to you that you are part of a body, that you're part of an army, that you're part of a family. And I wanna park up in the word belong just for a couple of moments because it's a powerful word. But I wanna take kind of a flip look at the word belong. I wanna ask you about all the areas of your life and how much of them belong to God? You know, it's an interesting conversation to have with yourself, and one that I have with myself all the time, about the aspects of my life that maybe I think belong to me when actually they belong to God. Do you know the reality is nothing you have belongs to you? Not even the breath in your lungs. It's all on loan from God. It all belongs to him. Everything belongs to him. If you don't believe me, then all you have to do is read the word of God. Verses like Psalm 89, 11 to 18. All the heavens and everything on earth belong to you. For you are the creator of all that is seen and unseen. The four corners of the earth were put in place by you. You made the majestic mountains that are still shouting their praises to your name. Breathtaking and awesome is your power. Astounding and unbelievable is your might and strength when it goes on display. God owns it all. It all belongs to Him. And that, if you park up in it for a little moment, will change everything about you do your life. I'm gonna ask my helpers to come up here to illustrate this a little bit more to you. Come and take a seat. Thank you. You can go on these two here. I'm gonna start over here. Let's start with, with, with yourself. Start with myself. I belong to God. If I belong to God, then I am a steward of this body that God has given me to do life in. If I am belonging to God, everything about me, the way I think, the way I choose, the way I act when it's seen and when it's unseen, all is a stewardship that God has entrusted to me. It's kind of like this. Think of your life 
kind of like you might think of a house. Maybe some of you in here, you rent a home. That's where you are staying right now. You're renting off someone. And, and when you rent something, the responsibility at the end of the day doesn't belong to you about that house. So naturally, as a renter, there are things that you can do and things that you can't do because you're not the owner of that property. You can't just decide to pull down a wall. You can't just decide to knock something down in the house without the permission of the owner. Your life, your breath, your body belongs to God. You are a custodian of it. Therefore, you can't just do as you please. If you want great scripture to park up in, especially if it comes to the subject of how we treat our body, 1 Corinthians 6 verse 20 in the message says this, and it actually is a whole passage which is more PG-13, so I won't read the whole passage here. But if you want to know what God thinks about sex, read 1 Corinthians 6. Some of you are like, oh, I'll do that. Some of you are like, just woke up. She said sex in church. But it says this, that the passage that I'm referring to, it says, or oh, didn't you realize that your body is a sacred place, the place of the Holy Spirit? Don't you see that you can't just do whatever you please, squandering what God paid such a high price for? The physical part of you is not some piece of property belonging to the spiritual part of you. God owns the whole works. So let people see God in and through your body. God's saying, hey, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but you need to park up because you can't just stick that stuff in your veins. You can't just cut that flesh. You can't just say it doesn't matter. You are a custodian and have been entrusted by God with the life that you have, with the breath in your lungs. So when you use your breath carelessly, when you use it casually, when you don't look after yourself, when you say about yourself, I'm rubbish, I'm worthless, you are insulting what belongs to God. In fact, I might as well just walk around with this on me. Some of you young people, when that guy shows you a little interest, when he's telling you, let's hang out, let's go a little step further, it doesn't matter. You need to go, back up, buddy. This whole thing here belongs to God. There are some situations you wouldn't get yourself in if you respected yourself in a way that you need to understand. That's why you've got to park up young people and understand you belong to God. That's, that's why you don't need to be spoken to or treated the way you are. That's why you don't need to react. That's why you don't just go along and do what the world say. That's why you don't just stick, stick in your veins what the world tells you to do because this belongs to God and I want to steward well what belongs to Him. You belong to God. Tyrone represents the church. You look very holy, that's why I chose you. <laughs> the church belongs to God. It doesn't belong to 
me or Steve or Dave and Abs or any of our pastors or leadership teams, the church belongs to God. We are just custodians of His church. That's why actually it's the greatest release when you park up and understand this belongs to Him. It means actually some of the stuff that would freak me out, I don't need to be freaked out because this is God's. If I tomorrow drop dead, God would keep building His church because this belongs to God. It means all of us can take a big sigh of relief that actually, if we were to look at the church, it belongs to God. It's God's. He owns it. He's building it. He's been building it for generations. His Word speaks about it. It belongs to Him. Changes the whole way we treat coming to the Word. Changes the whole way we pray for the church. A friend here is going to represent my children. My children are not here. My daughter right now, believe it or not, is walking a llama. That's actually not a joke. Her, her Christmas present from her friend was to go walk a llama. So she's out walking a llama, praise the Lord. Some days I wonder, does she belong to me? Strange child. But if this was one of my children, the truth is my children belong to God. Your children belong to God. That baby that you brought into the world, you are a custodian of. You are a steward of. You're a steward of the greatness inside them. You're a steward of the dreams inside them. You're a steward of the gift on their life. But at the end of the day, that child belonged to God before they ever, ever belonged to you. And God has a plan for them and a destiny for them. And actually, He just says, all I need you to do is park up and understand that child belongs to me. So I need you to pray over that child. Affirm what I'm doing in that child. Know that you know that that child is in my hands. Remember my faithfulness in that child's life. This belongs to God. Child belongs to God. Church belongs to God. You belong to God. Maybe this one you're gonna like less, but it's true. Your money belongs to God. It's not yours. So when you read verses about tithing and giving, you go, wow, how kind is God that He said, I only have to give 10% because it all belongs to Him. So He could have asked me for it all. He could have said, I want it all and you get to keep a little, but I want the majority. But God says, no, I just ask you when you have finance to remember where that finance comes from, to remember who is your source, to remember that it all belongs to me anyway. And then when you hold it, you'll hold it differently because you'll realize I'm a steward of it. And what God puts in my hands, He wants to get through my hands. And the more I steward it wisely, the more He can entrust it to me. But when we think, well, it belongs to me, we start to kill the seed that God's entrusted us to plant. Something about what we have becomes shrunk down to our understanding. And so God's like, no, park up. Maybe that's your area this year. Park up and understand. It all belongs to God. So when God says give, you're like, okay, it's not mine anyway. God says bless, you're like, okay. Because if you gave this to me to be a blessing, you'll give more to me to be a blessing. All belongs to God. Read your word about your finances. Read your word about the church. Read your word about how God sees your children. Read the word about how He views you and your body and park up until you know that you know, I, they, this, this, 
It all belongs to God. And finally, become. What do you believe? Where do you need to work on your belong? And what do you want to become? We're all on a journey of becoming. All of us are on this pathway. But you know you have to choose what you want to become. And in Romans 12, it talks to us about don't allow the culture around you to determine what you become. You choose. And maybe last year you don't feel you made any progress. Or maybe you're at the end of last year, you're like, I don't look any different than I did at the beginning. Well, the difference is that you make a decision. I want to become this year. And you make a list. I want to become more courageous. I want to become more positive. I want to become more faithful. I want to become more trusting. I want to become more free. And once you decide what you want to become, you park up in that place until you understand what it looks like to become those things. You go to the Word about how to become them. You pray about becoming them and you embrace a journey with God of becoming. God looks at all of our lives as the potter and all of us are the clay. And I just wonder sometimes whether we allow our lives to go in the kiln too early. I did pottery at school and I was never very good. I didn't carry on art until, you know, I could get rid of it. I got rid of it straight away because when I was in pottery class, you needed a word of knowledge to know what that thing was that I had made. In my mind, it was a pot, but when it was finished, it looked more like a blob of pottery. And uh, I've seen people that are skilled at a wheel, and it is a skill. Just feel, mold, and keep that thing turning. But once you put it in the kiln, it's kind of like you've set the shape. And I think sometimes in life, there are areas of our life that we're just allowed to go into the kiln too early. Somebody said something about you, and you're like, well, that's me. I'll always be forgetful. I'll always be a waste of time. I'll always fail. I'll always be weak. And I want to kind of encourage you this year to go in the kiln, come out the kiln and break some stuff off your life that maybe has been set wrongly. And instead say, God, this year I put myself back on the potter's wheel. And I'm going to allow those areas of my life to be pliable again. God, what do you see in me? What do you say about me? What can I become this year? Some of you have no idea how awesome the vessel is that God's going to bring out of your life. But you're going to have to get back on the wheel and undo some things in order to become something different. So this year, what do you believe? Where do you need to work on where you belong? And what do you want to become? Park up there. Pray. Affirm it. Remember his goodness until you know that you know that you know, God, in this area, my roots have gone down deep. I'm ready to drive. All across the room, want us to stand to our feet. Thanks, guys. You can go.
know, our heart for you as a church is that you would embrace this this journey of discovery with God. You would not be fearful about what you don't understand or don't fully know, but you'd say, God, I want to journey with you this year. I want to end 2020 more established in what I believe, more clear than ever in what I'm becoming, more trusting in those areas of belonging. I just want us to close our eyes across the room and I just, I don't know where this finds you. I sense some of you, there's just some areas right now of belonging that are really hard for you. You're like, God, I'm good with my kids belonging to you and I'm But God, when it comes to my finances, that's a wrestle for me. Don't feel condemned today or feel like you've messed up or feel like God's angry with you. That's not the God we serve. But maybe just say, God, I choose to park up just for a while until I understand something deeper, till I change some thinking, till I begin to actually look and sound more like you intended me to look and sound. Maybe for you, it's an area of believing. God, I believe you're good, but I don't believe that, God, there's good in me. Oh, God, I believe you're a healer, but God, I don't know how to believe for you to be my provider. Park up this year in some areas until that belief goes down deep. Maybe there's some areas where you need to kind of break off what's been set prematurely in your life. So you can become all God says you can become. God, I pray over every person in the room right now. God, we choose to park up in your word. God, we choose to affirm what you say over our lives. And God, we choose to remember your faithfulness that has gone before us and has already gone ahead of us. And God, I pray 2020 is a year where we know that we know that we know that you are good, that you are true, that you are faithful, that you are God the healer, God the Father, God the restorer, God the provider. Oh God, I pray for those that right now need to break some things off their life, that there would be a breaking so they can be a molding into all that you see. Some of you are thinking way too small. And God wants to put you back on the wheel and mold you again. You are great in His eyes. You are chosen by God Himself. You are a steward. He is the owner and everything He owns, He blesses. Everything He owns, He takes care of. Everything He owns, He breathes life over. Everything He owns, He provides for and He is the caretaker of. Why are you in fear when God owns your destiny? Why are you in fear when God owns your family? Why are you in fear when God owns your finances? Fear not, says the Lord. For I am over it all, I am in it all, and I am through it all. Fear not about the year ahead. Fear not about the finances for the plan. Fear not about your children. Fear not about your marriage. Fear not about the things that you right now are planning. Have faith, believe. You belong to Almighty God. All across the room as eyes are closed and you might just be praying over your own area, over your own life. I'm asking a question, where are you at with God today? Maybe you're in here and you don't truly know Him as Lord and Saviour. 
You don't have a belief that goes down deep. You have not really made that commitment of Him being your Lord, Him being the forgiver of your sins. Maybe you are in here and you used to follow God wholeheartedly, but now you drift in and you drift out. I'm just offering an opportunity in this moment for you to put that right. Why don't you choose right now to say, God, I am going to believe. I'm gonna believe that you are the forgiver of my sins. I'm gonna believe that you are the way, the truth and the life. I'm gonna believe that there is a destiny for me. And if you don't know God, but you wanna believe, if you have drifted from Him, but you wanna put that right, right now as people are praying, all you have to do is stick your hand up and say, that's me today. I wanna affirm that I believe in Him. I wanna come back to that place of believing today. So right now, as people are praying, just stick your hand up. I'm gonna see it, and as soon as I see it, you can take it down. And that hand's saying, pray for me today. I I need help with my unbelief. Over here at the back, over here at the middle. Come on, there's others here today. Over here at the front, over here at the front. Come on, there's others here today. Don't go rest it over here. Over here at the front, at the side. There's others over here in the middle. There's over here at the back, over here at the side. Come on, there's others over here. Come on, just respond. Don't go anymore this year without believing and trusting over here and over here. Come on, there's others here today. This is a defining day for you over here and over here. Come on, there's some more in here today. You're like, I don't wanna go through another year of in and out. I don't wanna go through another year of unbelief over here at the back. Come on, is there anyone else? Just stick your hand up high over here in the middle. Anyone else? I'm going one more time round the room. Come on, over here at the front, over here at the side. Come on, there's some others over here at the front over here in the middle. Come on, there's some more today over here. There's some others today. We're fighting for you in this moment that you get your belief down deep. God is good. He is for you. He's the forgiver of your sins over here at the side. Come on, there's some others. One more time, looking all around the room. Shoot your hand up high if that's you. I see that hand at the back there. Anyone else over here in the middle? So awesome, so good. So many hands that went up in those moments, so good. The enemy hates these moments. It hopes we'll rush past them. But salvation is yours today. A new beginning is yours today. Forgiveness is yours today. But you're gonna have to believe it. God's already said it. God already is doing it. You gotta believe it. So we're all gonna pray this prayer. Everybody together, especially those that lifted your hand. Say it like you mean it. Let's wrap these words around this decision. Everybody repeat after me. Dear God, today I choose to believe that I am forgiven, that I am chosen. Today I choose to belong to You, to become part of all You've called me to be part of. In Your Name, today I say, You are my Father. I am forgiven. Amen and amen.